So the reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 5 to 26. Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must, must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I speak to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember growing up that uh, there was the, the big emphasis in schools about stranger danger. Um, don't talk to strangers, don't go off with strangers. Um, and they kept on showing us these videos of men with very dodgy hairstyles um, that you wouldn't have trusted anyway. Um, um, but the idea being that people you don't know are inherently dangerous and you need to watch out for them. Jesus wasn't very good at following that piece of advice, thankfully. Here he is talking to a stranger, somebody who really the conventions have it, he shouldn't have been talking to at all. In so doing, he breaks down barriers and we see how a life can be changed and indeed how a community can be transformed by breaking down those social barriers, those levels of fear of the stranger, the foreigner, the other. Many devout Jews would not have gone the route that Jesus took to get to this well. Devout Jews would bypass Samaria because it's an area of blasphemers and foreigners, people of a different religion, you need to avoid those sorts of people for fear of what might happen. But Jesus doesn't take the detour. He walks straight through. He encounters a woman at a well outside of her city. And although, according to all the customs, he shouldn't have spoken to her, she was alone. She was a woman. She was a Samaritan. 
Jesus ignores all the rules they have for theological discussion. Why is she there? It's, it's the wrong time of day for a woman to be at the well collecting water. Unfortunately, we still live in a world where for too many people, their lives are dictated by the, the going and collecting of water. WaterAid, um, quite a remarkable charity. Um, their latest statistics are that 844 million people in our world live without clean water. 2.3 billion people don't have a decent toilet. That's one in three of the world's population. And almost 800 children under five will die each day from diseases caused by dirty water and poor toilets. Think of the lives that are consumed by that trudge to go and try and find some clean water maybe a few miles away, then the long trudge back. You'd go and collect the water early in the morning when the sun is not at its fiercest. So why is this woman, it's her own hometown, there in the heat of the day? The suspicion is that she is about as excluded as it's possible to be. That talk of the five husbands, and we'll come back to that in a moment, but the idea is that she's been socially excluded. She's left out. All they do if she turns up is gossip. So she goes at a time of the day when no one else will be there so that she can be in quiet without any bullying or persecution. Her life, like those of so many of the other women, was devoted to trying to get water to keep their family, to keep their life, to keep their household going. No chance for a job. No chance for education. The most excluded and isolated of people. This woman, we don't know her name. She's nameless to us. She's just a foreigner. Just a woman. But she has one of the longest conversations in the four Gospels with Jesus. And she opens up things for us. One of the most excluded, one of the most isolated. And yet she teaches Jesus a thing or two in the process. Much has been made of this woman's lifestyle and her five husbands. Often the the rhetoric is that because of this, she's a sinner. But in her culture, she would have had no control over her marital status. Her marriages would have been arranged for her. If her husband had died, she would have been expected to have married her brother-in-law, whether she wanted to or not. She could not survive if she were not married or under the protection of a male relative. Her past was not a lifestyle choice, but more an indication of the lack of status and agency for women in that time. The rhetoric has always been to judge her, not the systems that put her in that place. 
her situation should have exercised the compassion of other people, not their judgment. Nowhere in this text does Jesus call her a sinner and nowhere is there a mention from him of demanding forgiveness from her. Jesus offers a welcome when others would offer condemnation. The disciples turn up. Why are you speaking to her? It's those subtle ways of exclusion, the way that religious people find ways of keeping things from other people, that we want church to be more a club at times than a liberating place for all people. During my training for the ministry, I spent some time in South Africa uh, with the South African Methodist Church. And was in conversation with a number of the uh, Methodist ministerial students there. And they were talking about part of the, the culture in South Africa is that if a woman has had a child out of wedlock, uh, she is not permitted to enter the church. I did point out to them that with that policy, Jesus' own mother would not be allowed into the church. And it, it, didn't, it took quite a while for the penny to drop on that one. I have to say, but we find these ways of excluding people. So one of my questions to you is, why is it that the Samaritan woman's so-called sins have been the dominant theme in scriptural interpretation of this passage for so long, rather than her successful evangelism at the end of the narrative? Maybe we as a church need just us, but the church globally, need to analyse how we have misused scripture in this way, as a way of deliberately keeping women in their place, maintaining the old boys network. Jesus has no truck for these social norms and social niceties. Jesus extends his call to those who are the outsider. No judgment, but a welcome instead. So maybe we as a church, locally and globally, need to think, are there unnecessary boundaries that we put in that actually prevent the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ? Jesus is there in a moment of vulnerability. He's thirsty. It's hot. He needs water. But as she so elegantly says, Sir, you haven't got a bucket and the well is deep. He needs her and therefore a conversation is able to be started. Jesus almost is giving this woman who has been excluded and isolated, he's giving her some power and some control. She could make him suffer by not offering him the bucket. He gives her some power and some control and they are therefore able to talk as equals. They are able to really wrestle with the meaning of life. And her life is transformed as a result. There was every reason for Jesus not to talk with her. The clash between the Samaritans and the Jews was significant. 
It was all to do with which mountain you worshipped on. And because the Samaritans uh, had felt excluded from Jerusalem for so long, they therefore were not taking part in the ritual practices of the Jewish people. And therefore there was this huge tension, rift, and you ended up with them worshipping separately. Mistrust builds upon mistrust. And we see it again with Jesus intentionally using the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan, to demonstrate compassion. Jesus overturns all of these norms. But in the midst of our text today, he talks about the fact that actually there is an impending disaster awaiting where the Romans will come and wipe out absolutely everything. That it doesn't matter about the small little religious rules that have been allowed to create these huge rifts. The impending disaster will render our prejudices, our arguments, as both silly and ridiculous. It's not an issue of which mountain you worship God on, because God can be worshipped everywhere. Jesus overcomes petty fears. He overcomes misogyny, nationalism and race, and the fear of the other by sitting down and talking. And in so doing, he finds that there is a person of another faith who is also struggling with the big questions. They find similarity and common cause. When God is released from our chains of fear and prejudice, then God can become ungovernable in our lives. And through that, there is the possibility of this living water a love that can shine through the ground of our being, the true essence of what it is to be human can flourish when we unshackle God from our fears and our hatreds. And when God is free within our hearts, then we become better at being able to model who Jesus would have us be. For this woman, maybe it's the first time in her life that she's been treated with respect. And in so doing, she becomes one of the very first evangelists and a pretty good one at that. We're... It feels a bit weird, I have to say, talking with you this morning about the importance of encounter and engagement when all the rhetoric is now about isolation and separation. Do not use this outbreak as an excuse to not talk and to not share your faith. Skype phone. Find some safe way of engaging with others, but do not use this as an excuse. Jesus in this passage is showing us, he's not talking to us, he's deliberately showing us how to be a Christian and how to do evangelism. Talk with the ones who you find it difficult to talk to. I'm going to give you some homework for the rest of this Lent. Think of a fear or a prejudice you have and try and overcome it. 
offer that living water, that, that chance for faith, that chance for helping someone else to realize the liberating love of Jesus Christ. Seek out those who are feeling isolated and vulnerable and find ways of support and nurture for them. Those of us who are strong and well will be called to offer service to those who are weak and scared and frightened at this time. Jesus sits down with the most excluded person probably in the world and he offers her freedom. And we are also called to seek out those who are excluded, those who are frightened, those who are isolated and to offer to them some hope, some respect and some love at this time. I'm going to rephrase it in the words of Bob Hoskins in the BT advert. It's good to talk. So, feel for the people we most avoid, the strange, the bereaved, the never employed. Feel for the women and feel for the men who fear that their living is all in vain. Because over the coming weeks, through us, Christ can show his face to the lost and to give to the unloved his embrace. May God help us to do that this day and forevermore. Amen.